Hey, good morning, Shades. How are you doing today? Good. For those of you who were not here last week and say, why are we seated? Uh, I have uh, gotten another sacral stress fracture. I love to get those. Uh, I've got one on the right side. It's not painful. We're okay. It just takes a while to heal. And the more you can uh, kind of take uh, weight off your, your leg, the better it is. So today we'll be sitting. And uh, because I'm sitting, it's professorial, there will be a test. And I hope that you are prepared and can answer all the questions. I just want to echo uh, what Chad had said about uh, just thanking you and your spirit through these seven and a half months of transition. And uh, for some, it's been, been a lot of changes along the way, and especially when you're figuring out, uh, setting, dropping our kids off, uh, coming to service, picking the kids back up, all those type of things. We really thank you. The Spirit's been incredible. God has moved in some amazing ways these seven months. And we're looking forward to being back into the worship center next Sunday. Uh, just a reminder, it's one service. It'll be at 930. No Sunday school that day. Uh, we'll be in there just for the one service. And uh, we look forward to that time together. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. We have been in a series that we have looked at the life of King Solomon. And uh, we have called it that he is a thinker and a builder and a leader and a king. And uh, we've covered all up to uh, his life, all the way up to getting close to the, to the end of his life or the end of his reign. And, and everything seems to have been doing, going really well going really well uh, with him. And God has been blessing him, been using him in amazing ways. And in fact, uh, before you get to chapter 11, it just starts talking about how everybody's coming to, to hear him because of his wisdom. I mean, his TED Talks are selling out like crazy. Uh, he's got more followers on Facebook than anyone else. And uh, he's got it. Uh, people are, are responding to his Twitter account from all around the world. He's the king of Snapchat. I mean, he is the man. He is wealthy, he is wise, he is famous, and everything that he does seems to turn out to be successful. And so when you're looking at his life trajectory, you're thinking, man, this guy is going right to the top. This is incredible. And every one of us, I want you to know, we have a life trajectory as to where we are heading in our lives. And either we're heading closer to the purposes that God has for us, or else we're heading further away from that. And from Solomon, man, everything he's done so far has been good. And then all of a sudden you get to chapter 11. Uh, don't send me emails and say, hey, David had his fall in chapter 11. Uh, it's just the numbers in the chapters. But chapter 11 uh, starts out and it begins to see an adjustment in his life's trajectory. So I want you to follow, follow with me here. In the first few verses, it says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughters of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. These are all the different nations that Israel had conquered, and yet he took in some of them to be his wives. And he says, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. 
Okay, kind of get your hands around, around this. He said, okay, he's got 700 wives. Now, all of these were not foreign women. He probably also married some women that were there in, in Israel, but a number of them were foreign women. Now, what he had done is that he did this for political reasons. He wanted to solidify alliances between these different nations. And so what he did was he married married women from those areas and brought them in. Now, from, um, from a political standpoint in the ancient Near East, that was a great strategy. And he was applauded by all the other leaders. However, the biblical writer was not as impressed with that. In fact, the biblical writer looked at that as a failure. And the reason he looked at it as a failure is that he quoted a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 17. Now, in the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, and it's got the law included in that, Deuteronomy is the fifth book. And in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, he pretty well quotes it in verse 2 that you see uh, up there where it says that you will not marry pagan unbelievers from those lands because they will turn away your heart after their gods. Now, God had no problem with ethnicity. That had no difficulty. It was that they brought their pagan gods with them. And he warned that if there was a king in this land, you don't need to be marrying women who worship pagan gods because sure enough, over time, they are going to turn your heart. But In verse 2, it says, but Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. So he chose. He said, hey, I'm still going to love them. I'm going to go that route. So what did they do? Exactly what God said happened. And his wives turned away his heart. In verse 4, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And so it says that his his heart began to be turned away from Jehovah God to these other gods. But I mean, it was not just a a small turn. It was a huge turn. Look what he did. Verse 5. It says, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. He went after her. That means he actively worshipped. He pursued it to worship these false gods. And he says, and, uh, and the goddess of Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And so Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and didn't wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. And so he went right after these goddesses and these gods. The first one he talked about in there was he, he went after, after Ashtoreth. And the Ashtoreth was this goddess of fertility. And in their worship times, there was prostitution involved, both male and female prostitutes that were there in that area of worship. And that's what he was supporting. And then he said also he went after Milcom, or we also know it as Molech. And what that God demanded is child sacrifices. And that is to where people would bring their infant children and would sacrifice them to this God. And so he began to follow and go with what these gods uh, were teaching. But he didn't just go there. Look what he did in verse 7. It says, Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. He built shrines of worship for them. And this one Chemosh, again, Chemosh demanded human sacrifices. In fact, there's a verse later on in, in Kings of the king of Moab sacrificed his own son to this particular God. 
And then you've got Milcom or Molech, same God, again, infant sacrifices. Now what Solomon did was he built shrines for them to go and to worship, places for them to do it. And look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, he did this for all of his wives. So all of his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. If you were one of the foreign wives of Solomon, you'd say, hey, build me a shrine for my God. I got it. I'm a builder. So he goes up there and builds it. We'll do worship here. Build a God over here. Build a shrine for this God over here, for that God over there. And so he bought into this uh, lock, stock, and barrel. And so he began to worship the other gods and began to build places for others to worship. And it says in verse 4 that his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. You see, when he started out, he had this undivided loyalty to God. He was unyielding. But then it says he was not wholly true to the Lord his God. Because what he did was he started out and said, there's just one God, Jehovah God. But then as he got later on in life, he says, you know what? There are a bunch of other gods over here. So I'll still worship Jehovah God, but I'm going to worship these other gods also. And once he started to do that, his heart turned away from God and turned more and more towards these other gods. And he began to be supporting them and put them on the same level as, as Jehovah God. So what did God think about this? Well, look at verse six. It says in verse six, so Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. His sensual loves for his wives was a lot more compelling than his spiritual love for the God of Israel. And the question was, how can Israel be a light to the Gentile nations when their king is supporting their gods? And so here's God's response, verse 9. Verse 9 and 10, it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Man, those two verses, you just got to sit down and read that for just a moment. And... Uh, he says the Lord was, was angry over that, which would, that would make sense. But you think about Solomon, think of how much he was given. God chose him to be the king after David. There were a number of sons of David, and God says Solomon's the one that should be chosen. God appeared before Solomon, and he said, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I am young. I've never uh, led a group of people like this. Give me wisdom. And God said, tell you what, Solomon, you could have asked for fame. You could have asked for money, but you didn't. You weren't selfish. You were looking out for the others. You want wisdom. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you wisdom. And for the bonus round, I'm also going to give you wealth. And I'm also going to give you fame. All of this is coming to you. And man, they got on this, uh, this train and it began to run. And God said, I want you to build me a temple. And, and he built this incredible temple. It took him seven years to build a temple. And he says, I'm going to build this palace complex. It took another 13 years to do that. Everything was successful. The place was going. The economy was great. There was nobody that was fighting them. It was a time of peace. And all of this was going on. And he says in here, he says, not only did this happen, he says, but I appeared to you twice. I appeared to you twice. The first time. So what we just talked about, he asked him, what would you want me to give you? And when he laid out 
You've got wisdom, and you'll get this and this. He then said, but you need to walk according to my commands. Laid out the rules for him. Well, at the 24-year mark of his reign, when the temple was completed, the building complex was completed, temple uh, palace complex was completed, God appeared to him again. And he said, Solomon, I'm just here to talk to you again. And this is a reminder. You continue to follow my commandments. I'll continue to bless you. But I want to give you a word of warning. If you turn away from my commandments, there will be consequences. And this land of Israel in which you are ruling, it will be taken from you. And this nation will be divided. And then they will also lose their land. He says, there's steep consequences, but I want to let you know, you just keep following me. Well, I don't know about you, but if God kind of showed up and and did a face-to-face with me, it would sort of get my attention and say, okay, we've been traveling this way for 24 years. Seems like we should wrap up these next 16 or so. Most of the guys reign about 40 years, and uh, we should be able to make this work. Mm. But the end of uh, verse 11 End of verse, uh, excuse me, end of verse 10 says, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. He got pulled away into other things. And all of a sudden, his heart was turned away from the same God who had given him so much. And it appeared to him, and yet he made that turn. Well, Anytime we make turns away from God, there will be a therefore. There are consequences. And he says in verse 11, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice, since this has been your practice, this was not like he just did a slip up. This was not like just a few times he he kind of messed up. This has been your practice. You have been worshiping other gods consistently. Because this has been your practice, practice. And you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you. I will surely tear the kingdom from you and I will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen." And so what he says is, I'm going to have to tear the kingdom apart from you. I told you I'd do this, and this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, but God in his own mercy said, it's not going to happen while you're living. It'll happen after you die. However, there will be some repercussions while you're living. And as soon as you finish that verse that we just read, if you read the rest of that chapter, God raises up an adversary to the north. God raised up an adversary to the south. Guys that began to cause some problems there uh, with the nation of Israel. But then he raised up someone from within the kingdom. It was a man by the name of Jeroboam. And he had a prophet come to Jeroboam and he said, God is getting ready to tear apart this kingdom. He's going to give you a part of it. And what God ended up doing once 
when Solomon died is that his son Rehoboam, I don't know why they have him so close to the names, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. This is, you know, it's inspired by God, it's inspired by Danny. It would have been Fred and Cedric or something out here. It'd be completely different. So it wouldn't, uh, but you got the Rehoboams and the Jeroboams. And uh, Rehoboam was, uh, was his son. And uh, shortly after he took over, there became a big stink and it split. And what happened is 10 tribes went to the north. And those 10 tribes that went to the north is what, from this point forward, is called Israel. Two tribes went to the south. That's what is called Judah. Now, when you read in the scripture, he says one tribe. Well, actually, it was like one and a half. Benjamin was split. Some of them went north, some went south. So just for talking purposes, we got two south, uh, two south and 10 north. But it split the kingdom. And it did that. And they were never as strong again. And then later on, they fell and they went into captivity for many years. So life trajectory. Did you see that coming with Solomon? See, I didn't. If I'm reading through all of this, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the, maybe the end of chapter 10 to say he lived a good long life and uh, passed away and was buried with his fathers and, and moved on. But, but that's, not, that's not what happened. And see, what happened with him is his life took a different trajectory. And so let me just give you four things that I want you to write down quickly that applies to each one of us of things that we need to know about our own life trajectory. Number one, spiritual change happens little by little. Spiritual change happens little by little. Now, many times we talk about, I want to grow spiritual, I'll be closer to God, and it takes increments to get there. Same thing going the other route. When we fall away from God, it's usually not some huge fall away. It happens little by little. Now, okay, you gotta stay with me on this. Are you ready for this one? Book of Deuteronomy, we just talked about that. The book of Deuteronomy was the book that was written where Moses gave final instructions to the children of Israel as they're getting ready to go in the promised land. They've been in captivity for over 400 years in Egypt. They wandered 40 years in the wilderness, and now they're right at the edge. They're getting ready to move into the promised land. And Deuteronomy says, this is what you need to do when you get into the promised land. In chapter 17, this is incredible. Most people don't realize it, but God himself said, when you get over there, there's going to be a time where you're going to want a king. And when you want a king, let me tell you some guidelines for that king. Now, there was Saul, there was David, and there was Solomon. Every one of those guys knew this passage. And this is what it says. These are a few guidelines of things that you need to be careful when you become the king. The first one is this, Deuteronomy 17, 16. He says, only the king must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Just pretty well straightforward, right? Solomon's life. What did Solomon do? First Kings 4, 26. Solomon also had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Okay. Does that mean many uh, is 40,000 many? It's beyond many. <laughs> he says, don't have many horses. And guess what he's got? 40,000. Already stepping back, a little back to what God said. First Kings 10, 28 says this. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Q. God said, get horses from anywhere, but don't get them from where? Tell me. Egypt. And where did he import horses from? Is that right or wrong? 
wrong. Okay, so he's heading in that direction. Deuteronomy 17, 7a says this, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Okay, when we're looking into the level of number of wives, the 700 count as many or not? That's me. He kind of like went overboard on that. And, and they're telling him, even before you get into this position, hey, you just don't have many wives. He said, I got 700. I mean, what does he do? Does he look at you and go, you know, I thought maybe 1,000 was a many. I thought 700, a little low. All right, 700. So, and what did it say? Why should you not have many wives? Why? Lest they turn his heart away. And it did. Deuteronomy 17b says this. He says, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. Don't acquire for yourself excessive silver and gold. Didn't say there was anything wrong about prosperity. He just said, don't go over the top. What did he have? 1 Kings 10, 14 says this. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. Every year, 25 tons of gold. And there was even a verse that said, they didn't even put stuff in silver because silver was almost worthless because... We had so much gold on there. Small spiritual change happens little by little. And when you look at the life of Solomon, and we see those first 24 years of his reign, and then all of a sudden we see this at the end where his heart is turned away, we see that there are small things that have happened along the way. Number two is this. A small change in trajectory can make a big difference in destination. A small change in trajectory can make a big difference in destination. Leave that up there for just a moment. I saw this statement from uh, Pastor Mark Deaver, and, uh, and it just jumped out at me. Just a small change in trajectory can make a big difference in destination. You see, what happens is that sin often begins with what might feel like a minor concession Maybe it's an allowance for some shortcoming or a brief indulgence for that desire. But that simple change of trajectory can set you on a course to a deadly destination. All through Solomon's life, we see warning signs of of his possessions and of taking the foreign wives uh, and and the horses and, and going to Egypt. These are just small chinks in the armor along the way, but they're warning signs that something could happen. And he ended up abandoning the fellowship with the giver in order to play with the gifts. And he took all the things that God had given him and he put God aside and he began to just play with the toys and the gifts that God had given him. And then finally, he turned his heart away from the other gods and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. Now, he never explicitly decided to stop loving God. You never see this. You never see him just saying, hey, I don't love God. Yet, he found out that he began to love other things even more. And then... The more he loved other things, then the less he loved God, and eventually he stopped living for God. It was a small change in trajectory that ended up making a big difference in his destination. And it's the same thing that can happen happen to us. Because that small change can affect your career. It can affect your marriage. It can affect your family. It can affect your health. It can affect your integrity. It can affect your walk with God. 
And it is where you set your life and you took an axis and you set that trajectory and said, this is the direction that I'm going. These decisions I'm making, keeping God's word. And as we're heading in that particular direction, as we're trying to go towards what, what God has for us, our lives, we have a tendency to get involved in sins and then begin to hold on to these sins. And we begin to put more emphasis on those and the things of God. And all of a sudden, now when I look this way, my trajectory is ending up over here and not over here. And it's just small changes, just a small change. But it doesn't take much to make a big difference in destination. And this is what was happening, happening to Solomon. And there was a statement that I read that, that just jumped out at me. It says, we start falling into sin long before we ever fall into disgrace. We start falling into sin long before we ever fall into disgrace. And there, are, there are, are people that we know or people that we read about that have had huge falls. And they've fallen in disgrace. And, and we just keep wondering, how could that have happened? It seems so sudden. It wasn't so sudden. The reason is there were small things that were happening and that trajectory just kept changing until finally it went towards a deadly destination. And so if we want to avoid our own tragic downfall, we need to fight against every little sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot give any sin a place of comfort and a place of residence within our life. Because what seems to be just a small sin, just a small thing that we're giving into, it has a tendency to grow. And as it has that tendency to grow, it has a tendency to take our resources, to take our resource, uh, to take our focus, to take our energy, and to take our time. And before we know it, we are no longer serving God with our love and our time, but we are serving this small g God that has grown in our life and who has continued to be fed. And so the question we need to all ask is, what are the choices that you're making in your life? And where will these choices lead you? You know, you could even uh, go home this afternoon and just draw you an axis and put a trajectory as to where you'd want your life to be. And then in an honest moment, just do some introspections to where you are and say, really, where is my trajectory? If I keep traveling this path I'm traveling, if I'm still living this kind of life that I'm living, where is that going to end up? Where is that going to end up? All right. Number three, the gifts of God are governed by the condition of the heart. I want you to write this down because we talk so much about if the gifts that God has given us, the talents that we have, the gifts of God are governed by the condition of the heart. Even the greatest spiritual gifts will not keep us from sin if our hearts turn away from God. Now, I don't know if, if you're like me, but it's a head scratcher. When I sit there and say, God has given Solomon a gift of wisdom, and in giving him wisdom, how did he make such foolish choices? Does that kind of, do you ever wonder that? I mean, God has given this incredible amount of wisdom, and yet in the midst of this wisdom, he goes over and, uh, and does this foolish stuff of worshiping these other gods, building all these, uh, all these idols, uh, these yeah, temples and shrines and stuff for these folks. It doesn't make any sense. 
But you see, the gifts of God always operate according to the affection of our hearts. In your heart, that is the central location. It's the thinking center of the person. Uh, it, 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 it's it's your, your feeling, your, your direction, your guidance. It's all right there. And the heart is the control of our lives. And the use of our gifts are governed by our hearts. And so if our hearts are connected to God, we will use those gifts for him. Solomon, wisest man that ever lived. And when he was walking in the commandments of God, he was using that wisdom for God. But all of a sudden, once his heart changed, when his heart changed, he used some of those same gifts for harm. He was an incredible builder. Think about what he built. The temple, that palace complex, incredible. He took those same building skills and he built false, I mean, shrines to false idols. So he had these, this giftedness, but yet the giftedness will work opposite unless the center of your heart is in tune with God's will. Does that make sense? It's not like you just lose these gifts or abilities. It's just whether you're going to be used for God or whether it's going to be used for harm. And so for him, that's where he was. And for us, our talents and gifts can be useful for building up the kingdom of God, but only to the extent that our hearts are committed to the glory of God. Don't get so wrapped up in whatever gift or talent you've got and feel like, I can just get by because I'm so gifted. I'm so talented in this area. It all comes to the heart, okay? And his heart is what turned away from God and his trajectory began to stop. But let me leave you on a positive over here. This is it. Live out your choice for Christ every day for the rest of your life. Live out your choice for Christ every day for the rest of your life. And I put Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Look real close at the way we phrase that. Live out your choice for Christ. What that means is every one of us has the opportunity to choose to follow Christ or not follow Christ. When you become a Christian, what you do is you say, I'm choosing to follow Jesus as my Savior. Once you make that choice every day, you are making choices. I am making choices for the rest of my life. Will I follow him or will I not follow him? Every day we do that. Our ongoing access to wisdom is dependent on a living and vital relationship to the Son of God. And in the relationship of our expenditure of time and money in the use of our bodies and the little frustrations that happen every day, and in all the complexities of life, we will either choose for God or we choose against God. That's it. We have to make that choice. And it's an everyday thing. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. And it's 12 chapters of a man who lays out his journey as he's seeking this, this meaning in life. And he checks every box. He goes after hedonism, philosophy, materialism, intellectualism, religion. He looks at everything. And as he looks at everything, he comes back and he says, it's all vanity. It's all futile. It's all worthless. And you read through here and you say, this is depressing. And then he gets to the very last chapter. And he gets to the last, last few verses, and in essence, he says, out of all the things that I've studied, let me just tell you what I've come up with, and this is it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The man who is the smartest man and the richest man and the most famous man. When it came to the end of life, 
He had seen the trajectory that he had gone. And right before his death, I believe there was a tick upward. Because he came to the understanding that as I've pursued all these other things, there's really two things I need to do. And these are the two things. Number one, take God seriously. That's what he meant by fear of God. You take God seriously. Stand in awe of the Holy One who created heaven and earth and who made you with a purpose. And number two is do what he says. Do what he says. Keep his commandments. And uh, find out what God wants done and do it regardless of the cost because all the rest is vanity and heartache. It really boils down to this. Fear God. Take him seriously. Do what he says keep his commandments. And when you do that, your life trajectory will go towards becoming the person that God created you to be. And it can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of disappointment in life. And at the same time, give you an incredible joy and that abundance of joy of knowing that you're doing what you were created to do. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful today that we can learn from others. And uh, it's always difficult. We have to learn from others' mistakes. But as you have included everything about Solomon and even pointed out the way that he got off his trajectory because of those changes in his life, may each one of us take a serious, heartfelt look at the direction that we're going in life. And Lord, may we alter that trajectory to where we serve you more, we love you more, and we head in the direction that you want us to go. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.